Welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. We are your hosts, Bill Taub and Dave Tilly. Hi, this is Bill Taub, and I'm here again with Dave Tilly. Thanks for joining us on the Homeland Heroes podcast. We are very excited. Uh, A friend of mine, Dan Fielding, is joining us today. Dan is a former Green Beret and the author of an amazing book, The Acid Mindset, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Really fascinating stuff. And so, Dan, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We're very grateful that you're taking the time to join us, Dan. So, so Dan, uh, Green Beret, I mean, that's that's really an amazing accomplishment. I know you had a great career. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, sort of your childhood growing up. Was this something you were very focused on as a kid, you know, joining the military or is, help us understand how, how you joined? Well, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up Rambo, watching the movies and everything, always fascinated by Green Berets and military and being in Boy Scouts and venturesome, you know, camping, outdoor survival type of stuff. Um, As I got older, though, I kind of stayed with the family business, building houses and doing real estate. And it wasn't until 9-11 that I really felt the call. You know, that's the moment when I was, you know, watching troops deploy after 9-11 and leaving their families. And at that point, I wasn't married and didn't have any kids. And I was like, man, the best way to support the troops is to be right there with them, beside them. And that's what started my journey into the military. Thank you. I mean, I I know that 9-11 inspired a lot of folks to join. So thank you for that. You know, you you heard the call to fight. And and so, you know, it's not easy making it into the special forces, right? Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Well, I wanted to, you know, go to, um, you know, fight for our country. And I figured I wanted to be with some of the best people there. Like if I was going to be in harm's way, I wanted to be with people that I could, you know, really count on or people that I knew were serious about their job. You know, to be in special forces, what we always say, whether it's any special operations uh, community for that aspect, is that you got to be like a triple volunteer. You know, you don't just sign up one thing and, oh, now you're special forces. You got to volunteer to, you know, jump out of planes and you got to volunteer to go to the selection, you know, to see if you can even make it. So I wanted to be, you know, surrounded by those type of people. And I was very motivated to, um, you know, be the best soldier I could be as well. So that's kind of what drew me to the Green Berets. Uh, It was a long process. It wasn't something you can just kind of easily come in off the street. I turned 28 years old in basic training. A lot of people were asking me, like, what are you doing here? How do you think you're going to do this? Um, During in-processing, I actually had an in-processor that kind of laughed at me when I told them, because they always ask you, what do you want to do in the military? I was like, I want to be a, you know, 18 Charlie, a Green Beret engineer, you know, combat engineer. And he laughed at me. He goes, yeah, good luck. He goes, I've been to that selection. He goes, I broke my foot and this happened and that happened. He goes, I didn't make it. And I've been in the military. I forget how many years he said. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I'm still going to go for it and give it my all. So it's, it's, a long road. It's a hard road, but anything in life, you know, if you put your mind to it and you want to achieve a goal or have success, 
you just got to keep pushing, pushing. You're going to have obstacles, but that's what I kept doing. And luckily my body held up. I uh, did get banged up. I did have to uh, take a little med break one time from a torn hip flexor from running, but uh, overall, you know, it, it stayed strong and I was able to accomplish my mission and become a, a Green Beret. And for, for the listener too, I mean, 28 sounds very young, but for me, but, uh, but that's, that's uh, older and entering into the, uh, into the service. Uh, I myself entered when I was uh, 26 and that was, uh, you know, on the older end, I entered, entered uh, a few years after college. But so what, what were those early years of service like for you? Uh, the early years were quite an adjustment. Um, it was, you talk about, you know, joining at, at 28 or seeming, right. you know, young to maybe some listeners. I had a staff sergeant drill instructor that was younger than me. And he would yell and scream at me and call me private and all this stuff. And he eventually, you know, one day he pulled me aside and asked me what I was doing there. Because at that time, when I joined the military at 28, I had my bachelor's in communications and business management, and I had my real estate license. And, you know, of course, they have a file on us. And he's like, what are you doing here? And why are you joining the infantry? <laughs> you know, and I explained, you know, my situation and what I was doing. And he was, wow, that's really honorable. Now, forget about this conversation and get back out there, private, and join your platoon <laughs> for your squad. <laughs> so... Yeah, but 28, it's it's definitely a little bit harder. But I think at the same time, you know, those first few years being 28, I had the maturity and I knew what I was getting into. Like I, I didn't join for college money. I didn't join to see if maybe, you know, I'd like it as a career. I joined with a purpose. And I think as most people know, when you have a purpose in life and something you're really focused on, you know, there's not much going to stop you. You know, your, your ultimate opponent at that point is yourself. Right. Right. That's tremendous. Where, where did, um, where did your service take you? Well, I started uh, Fort Benning. I did um, the, you know, one-stop unit training and I finished infantry school at Benning and I was able to go right from infantry school to airborne school. Cause that's also at uh, Fort Benning. And then from Fort Benning, I went to Fort Bragg and I was at Fort Bragg with seven special forces group. Um, primarily, you know, that's, that's where I was stationed before they went to Florida. They're currently now in Florida. Um, so while I was serving, I did go to like Fort Leonard Wood, some other places, some TDY deployments. And then my combat service was in Afghanistan. That's tremendous. Yeah. Dan, I, I wanted to ask you, cause not, Everybody understands the difference between the mission of a of the Green Berets versus, let's say, the Navy SEALs or Delta Force. But maybe just talk a little bit about what is the primary focus and mission of the Green Berets as opposed to some of your other brethren in the Special Forces? That's a great question, Phil. Absolutely great question, because I know a lot of people just think, oh, special operations were all the same. Yeah. The Green Berets have an unconventional warfare mission where they're also force multipliers. So whether it was Green Berets in Vietnam, they worked with the mountain yards or the indigenous forces there or down in South America, you know, with cartel battles or whatever, we'll work with local governments or people, uh, some of it's foreign internal defense. But in Afghanistan, we worked and stayed with local Afghans. 
So a lot of other spe special operations, like you talk about SEALs or Delta Force, they get a target or a mission. They go execute the mission or a sense cross, you know, enemy lines, go do their mission and come back. Green Berets cross the lines, do missions, live with local indigenous people. I had, uh, I believe the number, if I remember correctly, 263 Afghans that I was responsible for as a Green Beret for like feeding and housing and taking care of, um, it was pretty much three border control points or bases. Um, and then we also had our fire base we were at. So I would eat with you know, the local Afghans with our fellow, you know, Afghan soldiers. We had um, ASG, Afghan security guards, where we're also ASF, Afghan security forces. And while I was over in Afghanistan, we set up um, like a quick response force for the Afghan National Army. So that was uh, quite interesting. So that's the biggest difference between Green Berets or the special forces is that we tend to live and stay with the locals and then conduct special operations with local forces. So like Delta Force will go in pretty much on their own. SEALs will pretty much go in on their own unilateral. Um, occasionally there'll, there'll be some little differences in missions and maybe there'll be some cross-pollination, but primarily that's the biggest difference between a Green Beret, a Navy SEAL or another, you know, MARSOC, Marine Raiders. I want to give those guys a shout out because uh, the Marines are pretty, pretty awesome as well. What they're doing now, I spent five years as a DOD contractor with them and they're, they're doing similar stuff. So it's, they're all, we all have our place, but yeah, Green Berets go be behind enemy lines and live behind enemy lines and conduct missions behind enemy lines. What, what was that like uh, living right there with the um, locals? What were, what were some of uh, your memorable experiences there? That, that must've been something. Yeah, no, it, it was, um, it was quite interesting, uh, to be honest with you. It, the biggest thing I, I will say is, you know, you do realize, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, something that people say all the time, like we're all human beings, we're all people, but you realize how much you have in common. Yeah, culturally there's differences, but when you're serving side by side with somebody in a combat zone or a war zone, and you're looking out for each other and you gain respect. Um, mm -hmm. There is that sizing each other up, you know, and especially being a, a Green Beret, an American soldier, and you're going into another country and the enemy kind of looks the same as some of the people you're serving with and they do infiltrate and there is, you know, risks of, you know, attacks happening based upon, you know, people that snuck into the unit or, you know, join the ANA just so they could, you know, get in there and find out where the Americans are or what they're doing. So, but I, I think my, my greatest part of that was seeing the joy that I was able to bring to some of these people that felt so oppressed and so desolate. And that kind of brings me to the Deo Oppressor Liber, which is Latin for to free from oppression or free the oppressed which is our special forces motto because you see a lot of these people they are just, you know, so hopeless and they feel, you know, between these, whether it was the Taliban or later on ISIS or, you know, people, Al Qaeda that just ruled in fear and they felt that they had no chance to stand up and resist. So to give them that hope and that chance for freedom, it's pretty powerful. That was probably the most rewarding thing I did. <laughs> 
That's incredible. And how much uh, just just to help us understand uh, how you know how much time did you serve uh, in the Green Berets? Well, I did five years active duty, and then yeah. after getting out, up until um, twenty twenty one, I was a Department of Defense contractor, still working with active duty Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and uh, MARSOC. Like last uh, a year ago, 12 months ago, I was working with NSW or that's Navy Special Warfare with the Navy SEALs as a civilian. So I've been in the uh, special operations community since 2004, so almost 18 years, um, all in all, you know, as a civilian and as active duty. So th that's why you're so comfortable around the Navy SEALs, right, Dan? We had you in a room with a bunch of Navy SEALs, and uh, you were badly outnumbered, but uh, you held your own pretty well, I think. Well, thank you. I mean, come on, I'm a Green Beret. We act cool wherever <laughs> we are, <laughs> even if right. we're not, right? That's just one of the things I wrote in my book that's kind of funny is, like, we always joke, you know, even when things go bad, you just got to look cool because if you're calm, cool, and collective, people are going to think you know what you're doing, and you just got to figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. What, what about some tough moments, uh, you know? during your deployment and so forth, you know, I think it's, it's, it's good to focus on the good, but you know, there's some tough moments and it's good for our listeners to understand some of that stuff too. Yeah. Um, geez, tough moments physically and mentally, you know, are totally different things. I'd say we'll start off with the mental. I know there's a lot of, um, you know, talk about that. And so I want to help create some awareness. Uh, we all, know that losing someone close to you is always tough and you know I, I was lucky i didn't have a loss directly right in front of me but i did have a huge mental um hurdle that happened um so i'm getting on a plane but not a plane correction on on a bird a helicopter or whatever to do this mission um and we're loading up and we linked up with another ODA, ODA Operational Detachment Alpha, or another team of Green Berets that were in a different part of Afghanistan, because this was a large raid. We were going after some heavy hitters. And so I board the plane, and I see the Green Berets sitting across from me is wearing a patch that's, you know, remember my buddy Josh Whitaker. And it says, you know, killed in action, you know, Josh Whitaker. And it hadn't even dawned on me because I was out in the mountains of Afghanistan and not getting the reports from every other team. I was focused on my team, our mission, what we were doing and our raids and whatever. And I get on this bird and I'm like, hey, I know a Josh Whitaker. And it didn't dawn on me for probably like three to five seconds that my buddy Josh that I went through the Q course with that I brought up to New England on a leave pass and he got to have his first lobster, met my family, my parents, all that um, was killed the week earlier. And to go on a mission where you just get hit with like one of your really close buddies that you like became a green beret with that in your unit on a different team died I let, let me just say I went on that mission pretty amped up and still, I don't know. I mean, how much you can hear in my voice. It still chokes me up when I go back to that. Like it, it was, it's one of those things and it's, 
it's just tough. And luckily I had a lot of good guys around me and you focus on the mission and you, you don't want to let other brothers down that you're with. Like that's the greatest fear, whether any operator, you do not want to be the one, like I would have rather died than let one of my buddies die. Like if I didn't pull security in the door and someone came out and shot somebody else, like I, I couldn't live with that. Most of us, that's, that's how we feel. You know, we, we're worried about the guy to our left and right. We're not worried about ourselves. And that's why you see so many special operators that have won the medal of honor or done amazing things and got silver stars and all these great awards is because we don't really worry about ourselves. We're more worried about the people around us. And uh, so, yeah, they, they helped me get through that and through that mission because, boy, I just wanted to, you know, let loose and, you know, just go all out. And they kept me grounded. So that was probably the, the mental toughness. I mean, we did lose other people and different things happened on, you know, deployments. I actually have four people um, tattooed on my arm that I'll never forget that I always carry with me. And, um, but to the physical stuff, I'd say physically, the toughest part was just beating down the body, you know, uh, lack of sleep, lack of eating right. Um, you know, I mean, I wrote in my book about what I hallucinated a little bit, you know, and it's just from being tired. And it's a real funny story. It has to do with a rabbit. So uh, if you, you know, anybody does get a hold of my book, you get the whole thing. I don't have the time to go into it now, but yeah, so mentally, you know, losing your, your, your brothers and then physical demanding is just beating down the body with lack of sleep and food. Just, well, thank, thank you. And the, and the, just hearing the sacrifices that, uh, our veterans, um, go through all too often, the, the ultimate sacrifice and how it, it just impacts everyone around, uh, them, uh, Thank you. Thank you for sharing uh, that story. Towards your uh, end of the service, when, when you decided to uh, depart service, uh, what was that like? When, when did you, uh, you know, kind of make that decision that you were ready to uh, transition out of service? Um, the transition out of service came from um, some of my leadership, actually, that, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're like family. And they were telling me because I, I wanted to have a family. So, you know, and I was, wanted to start, you know, having kids and whatnot. And I know what it's like to be, a, you know, seeing guys I served with being away. And that's when I had this great warrant officer who said, Dan, you know, you have been to combat, you got some great schools. I have myself have some Intel schooling and advanced special operations schools. He's like, you're exactly what the contracting world's looking for. And at that point I didn't have over 10 years. So I wasn't, you know, getting close to retirement. He goes, you're in your mid thirties. You're a green beret with combat experience and special schools. You can get out and contract and then, you know, you can start your family and do what you want to do. Cause sooner or later, even if you stay, you know, the army train is going to kick you off. And then I had a Sergeant major because I was feeling guilty, um, kind of like leaving family and a lot of right. veterans at any age when, even if you're retiring, you feel bad, like you're, you're abandoning or leaving your post, so to speak. And that Sergeant major pulled me in his office and he pretty much read me out and said, don't you ever feel bad about your service. 
you signed up in a time of war, went to war and like you, you did your part. Like don't ever, ever. And I mean, he laid into me pretty good and it, it was great leadership, I guess, that gave me the, the, the comfort and people that really cared. And I talked to both that Sergeant major and that warrant officer still. And Phil, that warrant officer actually showed up at the green beret with a mission challenge uh, last year. And I believe he's coming again this year. So Jose Santiago. Yeah. Awesome. That's really great. So, so um, we should talk a little bit about your book. I mean, I, I really enjoyed this. It's called The Asset Mindset. And uh, it is available. Folks just want to Google it. It's, it's available on Amazon as a Kindle or as a hard copy. Uh, really great book. You know, so Dan, tell us a little bit about this, this process. You know, had you been thinking about this for a while? Why did you write a book? Tell us about how that all started. Well, I, I've always tried to share my message and try and help people. Um, that's part of the reason with my service or even some humanitarian work I did before the military down in the Dominican Republic. And I've had a lot of people around me be like, you know, you should share some of your story. You should share, you know, your insights and experiences could really help people. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kept hearing that. And I'm like, okay, I'm being sent a message. All right, God, you're trying to tell me something. So I started listening and started putting pen to paper and sharing some of my stuff with friends and family. And they were like, no, this is great. You keep, keep going, keep doing it. So it's about a three-year process. Um, editing was a lot tougher and more difficult than I thought because um, you end up going back through and rereading the book and rereading the book and moving paragraphs and moving stories and, you know, getting it first down on paper. I thought I was going to be done in, you know, a year and a half and nope. <laughs> But so part of the inspiration, too, with the asset mindset, as I mentioned earlier, um, de oppressor liber, or to uh, liberate from oppression. That's the special forces of Green Beret's motto. Well, I think a lot of civilians or just people in general tend to oppress themselves with their own thoughts, you know, from their mind. They oppress themselves with like, oh, I can't, or, oh, I'm a victim, or, oh, if this happened or that happened. So I think I felt the calling like, all right, let's take this same type of thing that I was doing physically and through service, let's apply that mentally to share with people and share that message. So I try through the book, The Asset Mindset, to free people's mind from their own oppression, realizing that, hey, you don't have to be a victim. You know, you're only continue to be a victim if you allow yourself to be a victim. You might have been a victim of a circumstance, but you don't have to continue to be a victim. That event came and passed. It's water under the bridge. Uh, so I want to help people free their minds from negativity and give them their their ownership back of their life. Like you can do things like the asset mindset. Number one point is owning your life and being your greatest asset in your life. So you can achieve success. You know, number two, you surround yourself with positive assets in a positive environment, like good people, people that are going to lift you up. And then number three is you just want to be a positive asset for others. And in doing so, you will reap the rewards from doing that. So it's, it's been incredible. The feedback I've been getting, and the success stories, I mean, people changing their lives. That's somebody that's lost like 40 pounds in weight and got back to being in shape. I have other people that have become more giving again and like started volunteering and doing service. So it, it's been incredible 
to be able to share the asset mindset philosophy um, with others and see it grow. Daniel, I can't wait to, uh, to read it myself. And for our listeners, where would they be able to, uh, to find your book? It's on Amazon.com. There's lots of reviews on Amazon.com. Um, I've been blessed. Everybody who's actually written a review have all been five-star reviews. So that's amazing. Um, you can also find it Barnes & Noble. Or if you go to my website, you can learn more about the book and a little more about me and what I'm doing. And as far as even speaking, like I, I will do motivational speaking uh, for organizations or companies or corporations that are trying to, you know, obtain more success or have a positive mindset. But that is the assetmindset.com. Again, that's the assetmindset.com. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. I, I may uh, take you up on that on the uh, on the speaker end. And and for myself, uh, Jack, I could afford to lose a few pounds right now. So <laughs> uh, actually, I'd just like to take a, a brief moment to thank uh, some of our supporters, too, that are sponsoring the Homeland Salute uh, podcast, uh, Granite State Insurance, uh, Rock Solid Insurance Protection for Business, and Service Cre Credit Union uh, become an owner today. And we're just proud to have those sponsors that keep this program going and for all their tremendous work. Uh, supporting our veterans so, along with the Homeland Heroes Foundation. And, and now we'll get back to the uh, back to the show. Well, I'm going to jump in here, Dave, and I want to talk some more about the book, uh, The Asset Mindset that, that Dan wrote. Um, so, Dan, for you, you know, uh, putting these ideas and sort of themes together were these things that um, you learned in your time in the special forces, you know, was it a combination of that and things that you had seen? I mean, as you mentioned, you were already 28 years old when, when you joined uh, the service, but was some of it from your prior life, like how, how do you sort of put together these ideas and these thoughts, you know, that goes into this book? Where does all that come from? So the asset mindset for me was uh, developing through life as I grew. So it started with my father, some of his teachings and sharing. Yeah. And then I got involved in martial arts as a teenager. And martial arts really helped hone in on a lot of the same philosophies that my dad had, but the same philosophies also later on that I'd find out that the Green Berets or special operations has. So the martial arts was hugely impactful because, you know, teenagers are growing and developing and learning about life and becoming a man and adult. So that was giant. Uh, learned about competition. I actually talk about a national karate tournament that I was in where I won. Uh, it was at Walter Brown Arena at Boston University. And it was a national tournament. People came from all over. And I ended up winning first place in fighting and in forms. And there was a moment there that was really eye-opening to me. So we're lined up. I'm not going to go in great detail like I did in my book, but yeah. to summarize, the first person I had to fight was the biggest, most intimidating person of everybody lined up there. And the guy next to me standing at the beginning too was like, man, I hate to fight that guy. So that was the first person I caught. And I was like, you know what? I may lose, but I don't care. 
this guy's going to get, you know, my best. I'm throwing it all, leaving nothing on the table. So my first fight, that's what I did. I ended up winning. So, of course, I beat what I thought was the biggest and most intimidating person. That gave me the belief that if I could beat him, I could beat everybody else. So that confidence and believing in myself and also understanding that, like, hey, no matter what's in front of you in life, even if it seems scary, if you give it your all, you know what? You just might succeed anyways, even if it seems, you know, impossible. So, you know, that was a big thing. And then just joining the Green Berets, I mean, that just drove it all home. That was one of the things that are like, wow, look at these guys. I mean, I know people that have ran two miles with two broken feet. I have a friend, Ryan Hendrickson, who's from seven special forces group. You know, he stepped on an IED, blew his right foot almost all the way off, almost died and everything. They reattached it. He wears an exoskeleton. He went back to active duty, you know, and still serving. And like, it's these people with their mindsets, you know, are absolutely incredible that that never quit attitude. And I'm not going to be limited to somebody, you know, telling me what I can and can't do. I am going to be in control of my own destiny. That is absolutely, you know, what's in the green berets because we do missions and Navy seals or any operators for that matter. Like we do things that seem kind of impossible and we're like, okay, we'll make it happen. So that, that mindset was there and just drove it home and is why I kind of, came up with the book. Yeah. I love that. Never quit attitude. I, one of the ones, you know, I really love is embrace the suck, you know, uh, that, that this idea and, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in your life and what you're doing. You, you could, you could be a first responder, a teacher, an athlete, you know, whatever you are, an entrepreneur, this idea of embrace the suck, like when you're in it, right. And it's sucking and it's not fun that's an opportunity to learn a lot about yourself, right? And and be present in the moment to absorb the pain and like, you know, see what you can learn by by pushing through that, right? And you know, Dan, that I swim a lot, right? And uh, since since we started doing Swim with a Mission, you know, uh, with you guys at Green Berets and with this Navy SEALs, my, my swim group, I mean, we're doing crazy stuff that we never did before. Like, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a seven mile swim in open water. We never thought to swim that far before. And sometimes the conditions are terrible. And we're just thinking like, you know, you're there, you're doing it. You might as well embrace it. Right. Don't suffer. Like work your way through it. Right. One stroke at a time. And that really has been like a life, life changing experience uh, for a lot of us. And I'm, I'm sure you felt that at times, whether it was in martial arts or in the Green Berets and, and other challenges that you had, right? Just working through it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I talk about that in my book and that, you know, that's an opportunity for you to have courage. And also that's where the real growth happens. You know, when you embrace that suck and wherever you're at, like, you just own it and then push through it and realize that this is where the money's made. You know, it's not like anybody can start running or start swimming and then like, okay, yeah, it's easy to start something embracing the suck of being in the middle of it and then keep going. And that's where you're going to be rewarded. That's where you're going to obtain success. So any moment in your life, like you said, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a teacher, whatever you're your business owner, you know, when it's really starting to suck, that's where you're going to get your growth. That's where you're going to have a breakthrough. 
like that, take that moment and realize that you're on, you know, the edge of something happening because something has to happen, you know, and you keep pushing through that swim. Well, guess what? You keep embracing that suck. Next thing you know, you're at the finish line, you know, you're at your destination. So anybody that's listening, if you're in that suck moment right now, or things seem really hard, understand, like, this is, you know, where you're going to have that chance to really break through. This is where the growth is made. This is where you're going to be able to set yourself apart and be able to reach success. Because what do most people do when things start sucking? They quit or they move on or they try something else. And anything worth having, you know, is something that you need to work hard at, you know, that otherwise everybody would have the great, wonderful things and everybody would easily be rich or everybody would have this or that. Like you need to do the things that other people aren't doing or have the strength and fortitude to push through. And when you get to that other side, let me tell you the feeling you're going to have it. It's there's nothing like it until you've done it. And I'm sure most people can look back at their life. We've all accomplished different things at different times. Look back in your life a moment when you did something that was really difficult. And at the end you were successful. How did you feel? You can have that feeling again. You just need to embrace the suck and focus on what that next goal is. Exactly. Taking on those things that are outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well thank you. Uh, what, what are, uh, you know, you're, you're up to a, a lot of things, uh, sense your military service too um, with with helping veterans with working on a lot of other great causes and things talk talk a little bit about your uh, additionally your time after service and things that you're working on well time after service I've tried to just transition my service in different ways um, I think a lot of people in the military you know that that word service gets thrown a lot around a lot but it is you know, kind of innate within a lot of us and maybe even everybody a little bit, just some of us are afraid to tap into it or feel like we can't because we're too busy, but giving back to fellow human beings or people that are in need. I mean, there's nothing like it and the rewards of it, and especially people that deserve it. That's where I find my, my weaknesses for my fellow veterans that are struggling or people that are having hard times mentally, like I want to help them. So that's why I've been involved with the Patriot Resilience Leadership Institute or Camp Resilience in New Hampshire. That's why I got involved with Swim with a Mission, doing the Green Beret with a Mission Challenge. I'm now down in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm looking at doing um, a similar type event, uh, Green Beret um, Mission Challenge down here, trying to put it together. And just surrounding yourself with other positive giving people, it just feeds the fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it feels like, wow, am I doing too much? Am I wearing too many hats? But we only live, you know, this life right here we have now, as far as we know, you know, this time. So let's make the most of it, you know, and, and, reach and tap into, you know, the potential and the gifts that God's given us so that we can, you know, accomplish the most. So I've, I've been able to work with veterans. I've been able to do my book and help civilians and veterans. I mean, I have a veteran that he's, he's an amazing um, friend and good person, fellow Green Beret, Kevin, who was shot. And they said, you know, oh, he may never walk again. And he's like, I'm going to run the Boston Marathon. And uh, he's wounded by war, if you want to look him up. But uh, he ran the Boston Marathon. Like, that's amazing. And these are the that's people. Incredible. 
Yeah, absolutely incredible. And he said, my book helped him. And I'm like, you already have the asset mindset. He goes, but Dan, you don't understand some things I lost touch of and your book helped reground me and refocus me. And I'm like, someone like that just totally blows me away that like I was able to help them because he's an inspiration for me. You know, Kevin's an amazing individual and he's giving too. So as far as that service afterwards, I think it just, it changes. You know, you just continue to yeah. serve. I mean, even both of you, Phil, David, like, you know, Homeland Heroes, you're serving, you're giving back, you're doing things like it's it's just part of us as human beings and people just not all of us tap into it fully because we think we can't or we're too busy. But anybody out there listening, you know, if you start giving and serving others, you're going to find a lot of passion and fire. And it's so rewarding in itself. Like you, you're going to end up getting addicted a little bit and want to do more. And that's, that's what I'm doing. That's why I do podcasts. That's why I do speaking things. That's why I do events. And I'm also blessed with who I work with. You know, I'm surrounded by good people, positive people that, that give back. So they enabled me to, to do this with my current job even. So it's, it's, it's a blessing. And it's also a snowball effect. You know, the more positive stuff you, you do in life, the more positive results you will see. It's just, it's almost like a law of nature. I mean, that doesn't mean everything's going to come easy. The struggle's real sometimes still. Right. And it will be challenges. But overall, I mean, the more you give, the more you receive is an old saying, but it's absolutely true. Well, that, that's tremendous what you're accomplishing through your through your book, through your lectures, through, you know, helping other veterans and, and the public as a whole. Uh, I'm also curious if you could tell me a little bit too for our listeners about uh, Camp Resilience. So Camp Resilience is um, a great organization. They help veterans, first responders, police that are struggling with whether it be PTSD, substance abuse, uh, maybe somebody's been injured and, you know, they're dealing with an injury or caregivers, a spouse that's, you know, caring for a loved one or a veteran or someone that's been wounded or hurt. And how do they deal with that? Or maybe just dealing with relationships. So they run retreats in New Hampshire and in around um, Lake Winnipesaukee area and do some other locations based on the event. And Camp Resilience is just an amazing program. While I was living in Guilford, New Hampshire, I, I ran across Kurt Weber, who's the director, and it's kind of a neighbor, got to know him and what he was doing. I started volunteering there, got to be on the board of directors for a while, and just amazing things. And there, I mean, I've seen testimonials where people said it's changed their lives. One former Marine said it saved his life because he was just, you know, in a dark place. And going on one of the retreats and being able to connect with fellow veterans is that's one of the things that's difficult is it's hard to talk to a lot of people when you're a veteran and you're battling things. And we like to kind of just carry all the weight inside in ourselves. And you can't talk to someone that hasn't been down that road. You know, they just don't understand. They'll listen, but it just doesn't, you know, have the same effect. So when you get a group together, there's almost like a group healing, you know, that, can take place and understanding also that you're not alone. So camp resilience has been absolutely amazing for so many people. And why I even continue to support them that I'm no longer, you know, living in New Hampshire, I'm still involved heavily with um, camp resilience and going to do the green Bray with the mission challenge and working with swim with the mission because they're doing wonderful things. And I've seen the benefits, you know, like, 
in the military, we say ground truth. You know, I've seen that ground truth. Dave, yeah, I know. We, we should take a minute here because I don't know if you've heard much about the Green Beret Mission Challenge, um, but you know, it's really a wonderful thing. Swim with a Mission has, team, has teamed up with Camp Resilience. This is the second year we're doing it. And Dan and, and Kurt Weber, uh, who Dan mentioned from Camp Resilience, a, uh, another fellow Green Beret, uh, have put together a really uh, cool event, uh, you know, sort of inspired, I think, a little bit by our, our swim event. Um, but, Dan, maybe just take a minute, just describe what that looks like. And uh, folks can obviously go to our website, SWAM, S-W-A-M, SWAM.org, and uh, they can see some videos from last year's event. But tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Absolutely, Phil. I'd be honored. So the Green Bray with the Mission Challenge, there's a lot of obstacle courses out there and tough mutters and different things like that, that people can do that are challenges. We wanted to give participants a special experience where they could, in a sense, step into the shoes of being a Green Beret. So this is a physically challenging event, but it's also mentally challenging and doing missions. So what happens is you step into a fiction, fictional current uh, country and you're given these missions. So you may, you know, have to cross a border. You may have to face an enemy bunker and throw a hand grenade in it. You may to, may need to do an ammo resupply run where you're carrying crates of ammo across the country while pulling security and carrying a heavy rucksack on your back. So people can get a, a small taste of what it's like to be that, you know, special forces green beret or an operator working and serving in a foreign country. So you're getting that taste for anybody that wants to know like, Hey, I wonder what it would be like to be a green beret for a day. That's what, you know, the green beret with a mission challenge is giving. So you get to have fun uh, doing these events. Obviously they're, they're safe and you know, there's, there's nobody really shooting at you. You don't have to worry about real IEDs, but there's the opportunity for you to, to understand like, Hey, what, what are the types of missions that our service members that our Green Berets do? And, you know, last year it went over well. The feedback was great. Like Phil said, you know, go to swimwithamission.org and you can watch the video and you get to see the highlights of it. And you can see some of the events and missions, whether it's, you know, throwing that hand grenade in the bunker, shooting on a range, whatever it may be. So um, I think, you know, if you're interested or you've ever been curious about what it's like to be a Green Beret and or even a service member for that matter and deploying and having to run missions, you might want to check it out because I think you'd really have a great time and it would be quite eye opening. And Dave, you know, you've been threatening to 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 get into swim shape, right? Show up to swim with mission. Uh, this, this may be your out to do the Green Beret with a mission challenge instead, you know. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Yep. Great you carry heavy weight. Yeah. I've been I've been Dave, long overdue to do this. Right, run up hills, you name it. Dave's got it, right, Dave? That's <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you there then. I'll be looking for you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, Phil's got to start those swims a little uh, later in the day, though, when the sun's out and the water's warmer. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I've got it now, Dave. You're gonna first. You're gonna read Dan's Asset Mindset book, 
And then yes. you're going to embrace the suck. And I know you got it in you. So yeah, you're back in boot camp again. <laughs> it, it is. It, I promise you it's next on my readers list. I'm going to be ordering it on amazon.com and, uh, and, and uh, hope to get an autographed uh, copy. <laughs> I'd be honored. I'll, I'll see you at the green Bray with a mission challenge and I'll sign it for you Perfect. at the finish line. It's right. It's a deal, Dave. Right. So <laughs> it's well, not- Um, I want to thank our guest, uh, Dan Fielding. Dan, uh, thank you so much. Uh, It really is great to talk to you about your, your, you know, your journey so far. And uh, appreciate you sharing with us some of your experiences as a Green Beret. And uh, tell us about your book, The Asset Mindset. I hope our listeners will, will, will go on to Amazon and download it on their Kindles or um, order the copies and so forth. But Asset Mindset, a great book. And uh, we will see you at the Green Beret Mission Challenge. I think that's July 15th, 2022 in at Newfound Lake in New Hampshire. Folks can check that out on swam.org. Uh, but it really has been a pleasure having you on the Homeland Heroes Salute podcast. And so, Dan, I did we miss anything that you wanted to cover? It's really been great talking to you. It went by really fast. Yes, it did go by fast, but that's with anything that you're enjoying or good company tends to go by fast. I just want to say thank you to Homeland Heroes and the podcast for having me. Phil, Dave, great speaking with you. I really appreciate it. And I'm just going to try and leave people with the three things, you know, own your life, be your greatest asset. Surround yourself with positive assets, whether it be positive people or positive environments, and then be a positive asset for others. If you do those three things, you will see positive results. You will see success and you will be able to do things that you didn't think you were able to do. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. This podcast is a co-production brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. And Dairy Cam, who believes a better world starts with a connected community. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org and dairycam.org. Follow the Homeland Heroes Salute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. Views expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the uniformed services, the Homeland Harris Foundation, Dairy Cam, Swim with a Mission, Harbor Care, Veterans First, or any other organization.